Uh, hello, everyone, uh, and welcome to Shot Reverse Shot. I'm Matt Risby. Hello, uh, and joining me, as always, via the medium of satellite technology, is the man who shot Liberty Valance, Ed Davis. How the devil are you, sir? Yes, I'm fine. I have recovered from the jet lag I accrued in my uh, whistle-stop tour of Britain and, uh, you know, coming back to record the 100th episode. So things are now kind of back to normal and more or less levelled off. Hmm. Speaking of back to normal, we're not back to normal. This episode, as some of you may have already noticed, uh, is a lot shorter than our normal episodes because we don't have an episode this week because... Well, why is that, Ed? Why don't we have one? Uh, because uh, we're going to be guest uh, guest appearing on another podcast, uh, War Machine versus Warhorse, who uh, have kindly asked us to appear, and that means that uh, we our schedule doesn't allow us to record two episodes. Hmm. Um, and uh, it's going to be fun um, we'll post a link to it and stuff when it's up and everything but um, they kind of talk about two films based around a kind of a similar theme um, and this week we've been asked to watch Traffic which is good because like Traffic is a good film and I got to rewatch that for the first time in like kind of 10-12 years and that was a lot of fun but then we also got to watch The Counselor um, a kind of much derided uh, uh, film from a couple of years ago um, and I think that's going to be a lot of fun to talk about yeah, I think that it will be a lot of fun to discuss the counselor because um, it, yeah, there's a lot of stuff in it <laughs> mm. that uh, that will make for interesting fodder. Mm. So yeah, we'll uh, post a little link to uh, War Machine versus War Horse, and you can have a listen to us uh, in kind of strangely unfamiliar surroundings. Um, but we will give you a little bit of something, something uh, to be going on with, um, because it's been quite a busy week. Uh, in the world of film, it never stops. It, it always keeps kind of rolling in. Um, and speaking of things that don't stop rolling in, that money is uh, just continually piling up for uh, Jurassic World. Yeah, it continues to break record after record. It broke the record for the fastest film to earn a billion dollars worldwide, uh, which it stole from Furious 7, who had just probably put it on its mantle, having mm-hmm. uh, broken that record earlier in the year. And just today... On the day that we're recording, it broke the record for the fastest film to earn $550 million in America, which it did in 24 days, a full week ahead of The Avengers. Mm, that's pretty big. It made, uh, I think it's $50 million in the UK, which is, I mean, that's kind of nuts. That's a lot of money. It's very rarefied air, considering that, uh, you know, the UK obviously is a lot smaller than the US, so I think for a film to break 20 or $30 million in the UK is kind of special mm. has any film done a billion domestically yet? like a billion on its own in in, in america uh not in modern money if you're just for inflation jaws did it star wars did it uh gone with the wind did it but uh the closest any film has come in kind of uh real dollars is avatar which got up to 760 million wow that's not, and then you know, against that, that kind of five hundred and fifty million of 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 Jurassic World, and it's still going. It's people are still going to watch it. Um, I'm still not entirely sure why. Um, but yeah, that's really kind of taken off that one. It's, is it surpassed the original? 
Uh, no, it's got a way to go. Well, it has in in real dollars because the original earned three hundred and fifty seven in nineteen ninety three, and then added a bit more with re releases. But in uh, adjusted for inflation, that one earned about seven hundred million. Right. Okay. Okay. But it's getting closer uh, than I think anyone would have expected. Yeah. 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 Closer than I would have expected. I've kind of I've been very bemused by the whole spectacle because I mean I watched it and 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 kind of you know we had a whole episode about it and you know I, I didn't think it was that good but like you know I went to see it in a full cinema on a Saturday night and people didn't really seem that bothered by it I don't really understand like how people you know how it's caught fire so so kind of rapidly I can only assume it's a mixture of nostalgia for the original and the fact that people just like dinosaurs and mm. uh Cinema has been pretty lax on providing people with a steady stream of dinosaurs of late. Mm, yeah, absolutely. And now, you know, we won't be able to move for fucking dinosaurs. It'll be dinosaurs and everything. Um, although I don't know how they're going to shoehorn them in to, uh, to, you know, to most things. Um, the Terminator Genesis film, uh, which neither of us have seen to this point, we'd like to point that out right now, uh, has come out to, um, well a fanfare of a lot of people saying this is a very bad film. Yes, it's got absolutely terrible reviews. It's certainly the worst review to think of all of them, probably worse even than Salvation, which I think had the record before. Mm. And uh, it has not been particularly embraced by audiences. And everyone seems to say that it's just a load of CGI and a story that doesn't really make a huge amount of sense. uh, And also has very few surprises because whoever's cutting the trailers decided they need to put the biggest surprise right in the uh, right in the ads. Mm. And uh, is it Alan Taylor who directed it? Yes. Alan Taylor, Alan, is that his name? Alan Taylor, who uh, before directed things like The Sopranos and was kind of a dab hand for HBO before moving into uh, film a few years ago with the Four sequel. Mm. Well, he gave an interview this week um saying that like he was really pissed off about that trailer and it was like completely out of his hands and he was just like why have you done this and they didn't really give an adequate explanation well yeah i mean you would be because yeah if anything in the film is going to kind of shock people based on the fact that it shocked everyone who saw the trailer uh you know that would have been it so to put it up front in the marketing suggests that whoever's cutting it has absolutely no confidence that the film is actually going to do any good Mm. Yeah, and he also said in the same interview that he had a dreadful time doing uh, uh, Thor two. Uh, he said he had, you know, really enjoyed the shoot and it was kind of awesome. Um, but as soon as the film was over, Marvel kind of took over and and uh, kind of um, you know gave him a bit of a raw deal, which is kind of being borne out by kind of Joss Whedon's experiences on the latest Avengers. Yeah, I think uh, the the fact that. Marvel is now such a huge, you know, successful uh, factory for producing all of these films means that there's probably a lot less leeway than when they started, you know, when they were probably more willing to let filmmakers take risks because they didn't really know what they were doing and they didn't want to step on people's toes. Now that they think they know what makes a successful film, they're probably a bit more willing to put their foot down and, uh, you know, iron out all the idiosyncrasies. Mm, they got a brand to protect now, um, but this is where this segue is going. Uh, another bit of news this week: uh, Ava DuVernay um, has confirmed that she is not 
going to direct the Black Panther film, which is something that I'm kind of pretty pleased about. Um, for those of you who don't know, uh, she directed Selma. Uh, she'd done a couple of other things beforehand, but uh, that was kind of her big kind of mainstream breakthrough. Um, and she appeared to have been, uh, well, from all intents and purposes, uh, kind of brought on board to direct Black Panther on the basis that she is a black person. Yeah, pretty much. I mean, that was the sense that I got from all the coverage that they they wanted her partly because, you know, she was an acclaimed filmmaker, but also because I think it probably looks quite good on the balance sheet for them to basically say, hey, we're not just hiring white men to direct all of our films, which Mm. I think has been the case with everything they've done so far. Yeah, yeah. And when I did say that she was like approached because she was just a black person, I did not mean she wasn't an excellent director. She is a fantastic director, and Selma is a a wonderful film. Um, but um, it, it really did appear to be uh, some kind of uh, it wasn't. It did just seem like an odd appointment. Uh, none, nothing in Selma screamed big budget uh, superhero film. Um, and I know that directors are versatile and everything. Um, but it did seem that it was a uh, an appointment that was, well, not done for the correct reasons. Yeah, uh, or more from the point of view of it being good press than necessarily because they kind of fought it through, or that they felt that they were a natural fit for Ava DuVernay, who is kind of has a very distinct visual style and is someone who I think has a very strong artistic voice. And, you know, as we were saying, that's not something that really comes across in a lot of certainly Marvel's more recent films. Mm, yeah, they'll have to go with uh, Antoine Fuqua or uh, John Singleton, uh, who would both do a very good job, I believe. Uh, they both can handle action. They both do like budgets and they're both black. How about that? Yeah, I could see them as being choices they would go for. Um, although I think there's a there's a good chance that uh, Avi DuVernay could have done a really good job with it and probably could have brought something to the table but there's a kind of a problem I think we've talked about this before with, with Hollywood that uh, women and people of colour don't really get as many chances to direct big budget films which I think is one of the reasons why her getting the opportunity was quite exciting but they also mm. get way few chances to fail like mm-hmm. a lot of white male directors can direct films and they can lose a shit ton of money and they'll still end up uh, being given another job. You know, like Peyton Reed, uh, who directed a bunch of films that didn't do terribly well over the years. He directed uh, Down With Love, which was an interesting film that made no money whatsoever. Mm-hmm. Um, he still got the chance to direct Ant-Man. And, you know, that's not what you... You don't immediately think, oh, yeah, the guy who directed Bring It On and uh, Down With Love is going to direct a big budget Marvel movie, but he got the job. Uh, whereas I, I get the feeling that if uh, Black Panther had come out and it hadn't done as well as a lot of the other Marvel films, uh, Ava DuVernay would have got the blame for it, rightly or wrongly. And mm. that could have, you know, completely derailed her career. So moving away from it and doing her own more personal things is probably, probably both more fulfilling for her artistically and probably a better fit for her sensibilities, but also is probably the safer choice in terms of ensuring that she actually gets to make more movies because unless black Mm. panther made a huge amount of money it doesn't seem like there'd be a huge amount of profit for her to get on board Mm. she's probably taking a meeting at dc right now 
Wonder <laughs> Wonder Woman. Um, that's a that's a film that's been knocking around like seemingly forever. Um, did we actually know who's ever going to direct that? Uh, I believe it's gone to Patty Jenkins. I believe she was in the running for a while after Michelle McLaren left, and she was also bringing it all back. She was at one point meant to direct Thor two and was replaced by Alan Taylor. So, uh, so I think she is clearly trying to get into the big budget superhero game at some somehow. Mm, yeah, it seems that everyone's going to end up directing a a, a a superhero film at some point when all films are superhero films. Uh, we've thought, we've talked about that kind of bleak future that awaits us um, before. But um, an interesting piece of uh, news that you told me literally seconds before we went on air um, that I still can't quite get my head around um, involves Paul Thomas Anderson this week. Uh, always thrilled when he's uh, rumoured to be working on something. Um, but when you told me this, Ed, I was, uh, should we say, uh, incredulous. Uh, what's the news? Well, the news is that uh, not all films are superhero films now. Some of them are live-action versions of fairy tales. Uh, one mm-hmm. of them that was announced this week is a live-action version of Pinocchio starring Robert Downey Jr. as Geppetto, and it's going to be written by by Paul Thomas Anderson, which is just a sentence that seems like it should be in a Hollywood satire, but is apparently genuinely going to happen. So... Like, has he been approached as, like, just a writer for hire? Is there a script that's already knocking around? Is this Disney doing this? Um, Has no one remembered the Roberto Benigni Pinocchio (laughs) and just how fucking peculiar and creepy that was? Um, Why is Paul Thomas Anderson doing this? Uh, Why is... Why is... I don't understand. Like, I'm not getting it. Not getting it at all. Uh, I think largely it's because he and Robert Downey Jr. are pretty good friends. Um, they they were meant to work together on Inherent Vice for a long time. He was meant to play the uh, the Doc Sportello role, and then it just never happened because uh, because he became too big. <laughs> you know, he became too big of a star. And also I think that the delays to the master kind of meant that he was no longer available to shoot when they were originally planning to do Inherent Vice. But... Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and they've been friends for a very, very long time. Paul Thomas Anderson has said often that he's a huge admirer of Robert Downey Sr. So I think there's a uh, that's kind of the root of theirs is there's a great deal of respect. Although if you read interviews with the two of them, they do enjoy ripping the shit out of each other as well. So um, there's a nice playfulness there. Uh, I think... So do you think that this is an extension of that kind of uh, uh, back and forth? Is this like, you know, their piss taking taken to a whole <laughs> new level where... Robert Downey Jr. is like, well, I'm going to be like Chibetto in the live-action Pinocchio, and Paul Thomas Anderson's like, well, I'll fucking write it. Um, and someone at Disney said yes. Is that what's happened? Uh, yes, although I don't think it's at Disney. I think it's at um, Paramount or Warner Brothers, but it's 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 certainly odd, um, to say the least. Um, I think it'd be interesting to see if it actually happens. I wonder if it's they've announced this because it gets a lot of attention and maybe it will allow the film to get further through production because it sounds like something that Robert Downey Jr. has wanted to make for quite a while and there's just Mm. been no traction on it. So naming someone high profile and completely out of left field to write it and possibly direct it because obviously um, Paul Thomas Anderson is not someone who has written for other people. He is. I I assume he's probably been consulted in, in the past and things like that, but he is written and directed pretty much everything he's ever worked on. So, mm. 
there's a chance I mean, he could direct. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's not like, you know, uh, Alexander Payne and Jim Taylor were kind of scriptwriters for hire and kind of turned up Jurassic Part 3 and I now pronounce you Chuck and Larry. Was that one of theirs? Uh, yes. Um, um, but like you say, um, PTA is not really someone who's kind of into that whole bag. Um, I'm, I'm convinced that this is not true and you're trying to pull... Uh, the wool over my eyes, Ed. I, I need to see proof uh, um, before I go on believing it because it's just it does not register in my brain that any of those elements in any order make any kind of sense. I, I can only assume that it, they have kind of been pulled along in the trend at the moment, which is towards, you know, Disney are remaking a lot of their old animated films as live action, but there's also, you know... They're going back and making lots of live-action Robin Hood films, including, I believe, a Robin Hood shared universe where they're going to spin off and try and make films about all of the Merry Men, which just sounds like a disaster waiting to happen. Or, mm-hmm. you know, going back and making a King Arthur shared universe with Guy Ritchie. Um, again, these are all sound like things that someone's made up for a terrible kind of satirical novel. But mm. it does seem as if they've gone for... Uh, that, that studios are just kind of going around for what is a property that we don't have to pay money for <laughs> and that we can release. And this seems like the latest iteration of that. And also it, it feels like a natural continuation of things like Sophia Coppola being attached to direct and write a version of Little Mermaid, which isn't happening anymore, but was on the books for a while. Or Alex Ross Perry writing uh, a Winnie the Pooh story, where I assume Eeyore is going to be just a compelling dick throughout uh, mm based on Listen Up Philip. Um, yeah, I think it's just, it feels like they're just following a trend, uh, hoping that it will be the next thing that, you know, picks up if uh, people get tired of superheroes. Mm. Lars von Trier for Dumbo live-action remake, brilliant <laughs> now. I would certainly watch that. Um, yeah, well, at that point, I think we better leave it and I'll go for a lie down. Um, because, yeah, again, I'm still not buying it. Um, yeah, like we said, uh, absolutely. Like we said, uh, we will post links to uh, our guest appearance. It's going to be weird, isn't it? Like not having to be responsible for a, the content. I'm, yeah, I'm feeling pretty weird about it. I think I think it'll be nice. Be uh, mm. like we're we're guest rappers on a Jay Z verse or something. Yeah, we are the feet. A uh, little kind of entry at the bottom there. <laughs> um, yeah, that's kind of our thing um so yeah we'll post a little link to it uh and uh i hope you guys enjoy it and uh yeah sorry we've got no episode this week but that's why we're kind of whoring ourselves out of someone else um so yeah um we'll uh kind of catch up with you um soon uh, until we do it's goodbye from me and goodbye from me and goodbye from me